Ever snore so loud it registered as an earthquake or you woke up with a throat as dry as the Sahara Desert and a headache that could stop a locomotive? Well, I've had all of these because I have sleep apnea. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. Yep, I wear a machine plugged into a wall attached to a hose every night. Sound Sleep Medical changed all of this for me, and they can do that for you. They specialize in providing oral appliance therapy for individuals suffering from sleep disorders. In many cases, oral appliances have proven to be as effective as CPAP machines in treating sleep apnea. The lack of sleep is a serious health risk and has been linked to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and even depression. The oral appliance I got from Sound Sleep Medical has freed me from a hose. I can go anywhere, and I've never slept better. Call Sound Sleep Medical today. Seriously, for a limited time, the first 25 people that call get a free consultation worth 200 bucks. Call 801-783-5451. It's 801-783-5451. Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And this is Dinner Table Politics. 2019 edition. Yes. Should we call Suckers. it... Suckers. Suckers. Should we call it Dinner Table Politics 2019? No. Oh, well, I was getting very excited. Doesn't matter. Well, yes, today we are recording this on New Year's Day. And what's interesting, I wanted to talk a little bit about predictions for the coming year. But I want to go back to something we talked about last week. We spent a lot of time talking about Mitt Romney. And how disappointed I was in Mitt Romney when he decided he was going to run for the Senate because it seemed like he was capitulating to Trump. Yeah. And it turns out he he has decided not to do that. Ooh, a backbone. Yeah. As we were getting ready. We love a backbone. Well, as we were getting ready for this, uh, I was looking. Uh, Can you hear our dog's breathing? He's breathing rather heavily. Are you okay, friend? He's... Well, this is what happens around the dinner table. Everybody yeah. gets to hear all about what the dog is doing as well as politics. He doesn't seem to be interested oh, in bless politics. You, Titus. Nice sneeze there. So Mitt Romney wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post that begins with the sentence that the Trump presidency made a deep descent in December. Okay. Very alliterative, lots of D's there. Yeah. But he A star- deep dark dank descent in December. That's what I would have said for more alliteration. That would have been really Call good. Call me Mitt Romney. I'll write your op-eds. But Romney just keeps getting nastier from there. He says after he became... I wouldn't no- call that nasty. Well, I suppose not. And I don't think that Mitt Romney really is nasty by nature. That's alliterative too. Nasty by nature. I feel like we're going to eventually get to the point in like internet and political culture that like politicians are going to start writing diss tracks about each other. Well, like to be like funny for the youths and stuff, but also to like make a point. And it's going to be horrible, but I'm going to listen to all of them. <laughs> You're going to listen to Mitt Romney's diss tracks? Yeah, it'll be the widest thing ever made, I think. But I, I think it probably I don't will know. be. That's my 2019 uh, well, prediction. So he says, after he became the nominee, I hoped his campaign would refrain from resentment and name calling. It did not. His early appointments of Rex Tillerson, Jeff Sessions, Nikki Haley, Gary Cohn, H.R. McMaster, Kelly and Mattis were encouraging. But on balance, his conduct over the past two years, particularly his actions this month, is evidence that the president has not risen to the mantle of the office. Yeah. It took him that long to figure that out, though? Like, Well, he did. Do, do you remember his speech in 2016? Mitt Romney's? Uh-huh. At, like the U, right? Yeah. He, like, he, yeah, he slammed Trump. 
He was up at the University of Utah. But then, but then Trump endorsed him and he accepted it, and so it seemed like... Yeah, well, he did all kinds just of... Just kidding. Just kidding. But uh, Mitt Romney here is harking back. He gets sworn in as a senator in two days. And so this is this is how he's beginning his Senate career, with a huge broadside against Donald Trump. Oh, as a side note, has there ever been like a swearing in of new senators when the government is shut down? How does that work? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know. It's all done in the dark. It's all done <laughs> in the dark. They can't turn any of the lights on. I do know they continue to get paid, even though the other government workers do not. I can remember in previous... That doesn't seem fair at all. Well, it doesn't seem fair, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, because I would think that they, if they weren't getting paid, that would be sufficient motivation. motivation. Yeah. You know, there are all kinds of memes that go around that say, you know, cut everybody's pay and cut all this until the government decides to balance the budget and all of that kind of stuff. And I have a lot of frustration with most of them because they usually say things like senators get their salary for life no matter how long they've served. And that's I've never true. seen anything like that. Oh, but I, I do agree with the statement like, yeah, like if everyone, if all the other government employees that have nothing to do with the shutdown are, aren't getting paid, then why should the people who are responsible for the shutdown get paid? Right. Except for all those government employees will get paid. Uh, I've been seeing stuff like people have to like at like I don't, I don't think that's completely true. Uh, like and they have maybe maybe shutdown. maybe after the fact they'll get paid. People have to like pay rent and stuff. Like, right, right. That still is awful and really annoying. Yeah, I would think it would Especially be annoying. before Christmas. Yeah, and there's actually been a waiver that's been going around that people are being government workers are giving to their landlords and to their creditors and, and it's saying, just a picture of donald trump saying sorry sorry so no i you know i'm, I'm not quite sure how that works i know that they they consider senators constitutional officers so they have to continue to be paid they don't have to have an appropriation to have their salary paid doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but the reality is the government shutdown continues to go forward it continues to grind down i think at the president's popularity and I think that may have been one of the reasons why Mitt Romney decided to take this broadside against the president. Kick him while he's down. Kick him while he's down. Well, Mitt Romney's not the only one. I told you that, you know, uh, was it you or Eliza where I was talking about he only has 45 people he follows on Twitter, and now it's 44 because he unfollowed Ann Coulter? Oh, yeah. You're a big fan of Ann Coulter. I am I not. That was a joke. Oh. I am not a fan of Ann Coulter at all. You are not a fan. Have you ever, have you ever seen, you know how like they do roasts on Comedy Central? Oh, yeah, yeah. She went to a roast for Rob Lowe, but most people like ended up making jokes about her. Yeah. They were like, whoa. They, like, those jokes are always like, you know, just like outrageous. They're vicious and filthy. Yeah, but hers were like so bad. I do remember that. And uh, I remember Rob Lowe after, because she tried to roast him. Yeah. And didn't do so well. And no. afterwards, Rob Lowe says, that's the first bombing you can't blame on Al-Qaeda. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. Or no, like the first bombing you can't blame on Muslims. On Muslims, right. I guess that's even a bigger broadside. But yeah. she has gone after Donald Trump now and has turned on Trump. She wrote a book called In Trump We Trust, where she laid the groundwork for the Trump presidency. Mm, and she's didn't the one- age well, did it, Anne? 
Well, she's not happy about it. Her single issue is the wall. She's going to go around to all like bookstores and like put a sticker over Trump or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. She's got a new book out called Resistance is Futile. Oh, I'll have to not check that one out. Right. Anne. Right. All right. Well, I have a feud with her, but I only I'm the only one that knows it exists. It's yeah. pretty one-sided. Yeah, she's she's she has no problem. She's always spoken very highly of you. Uh, I can't say the same. <laughs> that that stunned you into silence. Well, I, I just think that's very encouraging that Mitt Romney has decided that he is not going to spend his time as a Trump toady. He is going to stand up to it. I don't know. We got our hopes up about this last time, though. So well, yeah, but this time he's actually he has elected office. I mean, before he was just a guy who was a private citizen who had run for president, but nobody really knew what his plans were. Now he's actually going to be in a position to vote. He's going to be in a position to make a difference. And he's decided that he's taking on Trump. And I think that's very encouraging. Well, if that's the case, then more power to you, Mitt. The more power Thank to you, you, Mitt. This is a this is a big shout out to Mitt Romney. And, and a there, what is it? Not there, there. There, there is like consolation. A, an attaboy. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, wow, it took a while to get there. Uh, all right. All 2019, right. off to a good start. Off to a good start. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what 2019 is going to look like. Yeah. Uh, I, I look online, and the thing that people do at the end of the year is that they put together their predictions for the coming year. Yeah. And Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson are going to break up, calling it. All right. Are you sure about this? Positive. What, does everybody know this? Yeah. Everybody. He's cheated on her multiple times, but she's staying with him for the sake of True, their baby, I think. Okay. She deserves so much better, Chloe. You're queen. Go out and find your king. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Subscribe for more Kardashian news. On Dinner Table Politics, uh, Chloe Kardashian. I'm not even sure which one she is. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. This is embarrassing for you, not for me. I understand. All right, so I'm looking at thehill.com, which is the online version of the newspaper of Capitol Hill, and they have a a um, they have a bunch of predictions, and the first one is that Donald J. Trump's presidency will not survive 2019. Ooh, that's a bold one! Dang, y- yeah, they, coming hard out the gate, swinging. They insist that Donald Trump is going to go down, and that. The investigation what? is going to bring him down. I don't know. We've been saying that since he first got inaugurated, though. Yeah, we have. And I don't think that's true. I don't think Donald Trump's presidency He's is going to stick end it in 2019. Out. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Uh, what would have to happen, as you go through these predictions, eventually it talks about how uh, it says, without Fox approving Trump's agenda, his support will decline from the 40s into the upper 20s. Because apparently some Fox News hosts said some mildly derogatory things oh, about Donald Trump. The end is nigh. Yeah. I mean, what what is this idea that Fox News is this monolithic Trump supporter? I just don't think, I don't I see. I don't know. That like sucks for them too. They're like locked into this box. Like they can only say pro-Trump things. Like that's not the point of news. Well. Like obviously they can be right-leaning, but they well, the don't people have to on just... Fox News that are the hardcore Trumpites, the Fox and Friends folks and Sean Hannity and all of those guys, they aren't showing any signs of abandoning Donald Trump. If anything, they're even more excited about Trump than they've ever been because the more Trump gets beaten up by the mainstream press, the more they feel like victims and the yeah, more they can play that victim card. True. And so I, I, I look at these predictions and I think, them. 
I don't think these predictions could be any more out of touch. Well, the hill, you were wrong. Well, I don't know. We'll see if the hill's wrong. Well, the hill says this action may begin the breaking away of the 20 senators it will take to remove Trump. Are you saying I'm just a bill? Yeah, but I was changing it to say hill to be more um, relatable to what's going on right now. Oh, very cool. Subscribe for more Schoolhouse Rock references. And we may have a few more when we get back from our break. Should we tell everybody that we banished our dog because he keeps interrupting us and barking? Yeah. We've had to do some... It was hard, but we made the executive decision to lock him upstairs. I mean, I know everybody wants to hear from Titus, but I don't know that we should be giving him the kind of platform he was demanding. I would listen to a podcast of just Titus breathing Uh, for like hours. He has sleep apnea. He has has something. He snores. Everything wrong with him. He has everything wrong with him. Speaking of everything wrong with him, I'm going over these predictions some more, and it insists that eventually... (laughs) That we will see the breaking away of the 20 GOP senators it will take to remove Trump if the House impeaches, dooming the Trump presidency. I want to go on record as saying that is 100% not going to happen. Oh, okay. 20 senators, 20 Republican senators. It will only happen, I'll, I'll, I'll walk it back a little bit. I mean, if there is some kind of huge, massive bombshell out there that we don't know and about. And I feel like there already have been huge, massive bombshells, and the response has been, meh. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Russia, meh. Porn stars, meh. Yeah. It, Kids at the border, meh. Yeah. I just don't understand what they think is going to happen that's going to turn the Republican base against Donald Trump. Donald Trump, every scandal deepens the support of his base. It doesn't erode the support. And I think, I don't see any reason why that is going to change. I would like to see it change. See, people don't realize that when I say things like this, I'm not saying, yay for Donald Trump. I'm just trying to read the tea leaves the way that they are. And I think the reality is that Donald Trump has more loyalty from his base than any president in living memory. I don't know of any president that could so actively defy the law and so actively defy common decency and morality and integrity in ways that Donald Trump does on a daily basis and still have all of his people say, yeah, yeah, this is our guy. Yeah, it's a bummer. (laughs) That's a good summation. It is indeed a bummer. But one of the predictions in here that I think is interesting, and I want to talk about this a little bit, because uh, one of the predictions is that we're going to go into a recession this next year. Gosh, gosh dang it. Right when I graduate from college. Right. That Not is a, the last thing I need, guys. Yeah, we went into a recession when I got my um, my MBA back in 2000. We were, we, were going, we were right on the edge of a recession when I got out of college, at least when I got out with my master's degree. So I know how that feels, except for you're going back to college. You're going to keep going. Yeah, but yeah, you, you'll be okay. Still, I don't really want a recession. Like, Nobody I would, wants I would prefer a recession. not having one. Nobody Why wants Why do they it. think we're going to have one? Well, because of Trump's trade policies. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I read Bob Woodward's book, Fear. And in Fear, there is a 
a photograph of a note that Trump wrote to himself in Trump's handwriting. What? How does he have a picture of that? I don't know how he got a hold of it. Did he write it himself? I, well, I if he did, nobody has exposed that. I think it's legitimate because otherwise somebody would have called attention to it. But in his own handwriting at some meeting... He says, Donald, you're doing great. I love you. Your hands are so big. <laughs> love, Donald. I think that would have been much more encouraging from what he actually wrote. He wrote three words. And the words were, trade is bad. Oh. That is a note to himself. Trade is bad. Interesting. He would totally lose at Settlers of Catan. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because you can't win Settlers of Catan. Without trading. Without trading. Pretty much any board game involving, like, goods. Well, the reality is... I don't know what other board games are involving goods. Monopoly, maybe? Monopoly. You have to trade in Monopoly. It's the worst game. It is not a good game. But the reality is that you cannot succeed economically as a world superpower without trading. Trade creates wealth. And if you don't trade, you don't create wealth. And it just it, it just blows my mind. Where did he get that idea from? Like, I, I, I don't know anybody who shares that thought, like right or left. No. And I, it, it's, it's such an economically backward way to think. I mean, it used to be, so back in, during the Great Depression, the thing that prolonged the Depression more than anything else were the Smoot-Hawley tariffs. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out to the former senator from Utah, yeah. Reed Smoot. Ooh, our legacy. Our legacy. Uh, that's a really, we should, do a, we should do a podcast on the seating of Senator Smoot. That's a great story altogether, because he was not a polygamist. But they refused to seat him because they thought that they would be giving power to polygamists. Sure. It, it, it's just a wild story. But, and more alliteration. And more alliteration. But uh, tariffs raise prices for consumers and provide no commensurate value in return. So how would you like to pay more and get nothing more? I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't either. like that. And neither would anybody else. And in an era of global commerce, there's no need for them to the extent that Donald Trump is is using What is he them. putting tariffs on? Like steel and yeah, something else? Yeah, I mean, we, we've he's backed down from some of it, but not from all of it. And he's unilaterally putting tariffs on goods that are traded not just with China, which he considers our China. Huge, I can't even say it how he does. China. 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 I'm actually imitating Alec Baldwin imitating Donald Trump when yeah. I say Gina. I don't, I've never heard Donald Trump say that. Oh, he says it similar. He says it somewhat similarly. But the, we're attacking our trade partners. We're attacking our allies in a trade it's war. It's like in Southern Sea of Tan, instead of trading, you just spit water in everybody's face. It's just bizarre to me. We elected Donald Trump thinking that Donald Trump was the world's greatest capitalist. Donald Trump was the great businessman who knew how to make money. And for him to write a note to himself, remember, trade is bad. What kind of also, idiot does also, that? Also, why do you – it's too hard for you to remember that? You have to write it down? <laughs> you have to write like, it down? what? Well, you know, maybe he was uh, contributing to Bob Woodward's book, although he didn't speak to Bob Woodward in the course of writing the book. So it doesn't matter. But the point is, we have a president of the United States that does not understand economics. And unfortunately, we also have a nation that does not understand economics. I want to get into that when we get back from our break. 
So in the 1992 election, Bill Clinton's slogan was four words. It's the economy stupid. Meaning, Did he write that down? <laughs> he had on a post-it note like on his palm, and he had to like, look down every time he said it. He, you know, he should have. Uh, I think he was probably smart enough to remember it. I don't think he ever wrote down trade is bad. But from 1992 onward. Maybe trade is the name of their dog. Oh, their maybe. secret dog. And he was being bad. You know, Donald Trump has never owned a dog. Oh, that's just not a good sign for anybody. That's exactly right. Dang. And he hasn't had a dog try to interrupt his podcast ever with his sleep sleep apnea. That builds barking. character. It does. We have had all kinds of character building as we've been recording this podcast. I'm very excited. We have more character than we did when this podcast I'm, began. I'm just overflowing with character. Lots and lots of character. But from 92 onward, and probably before then, actually I'd back it up to Ronald Reagan more than anybody else. Because Ronald Reagan ran with an economic message that it was... The great communicator. The great communicator. It was the responsibility of the federal government, and particularly of the executive branch of the federal government, to kickstart the economy. And if the economy is not going well, it's somehow the government's fault. And Ronald... Uh, Well... Well, Maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that is true. But I do You're think... You're disagreeing with Ron? No, I'm not disagreeing whoa, with Ron. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. I would never disagree with Ronald Reagan on anything. Oh, my gosh. Did you see that, that ad that I sent the, you? The pro-smoking ad? Yeah, yeah. When Reagan was an actor, he, sent, he said he was going to send Chesterfield cigarettes to all his friends that, because that's the Christmas gift that keeps on giving lung cancer. I didn't get any of that. That's yeah. a bummer. Yeah, the, the, it, was a, it was a different time, and he was not president of the United States, and doctors were recommending different brands of cigarettes. So I think we need to cut him a little bit of slack for that. But, no, I'm not disagreeing with him in terms of the political saliency of the message. But I am uh, really frustrated that people continue to think that the economy of the United States is a product of the government of the United States. Do, okay. you, do, yeah. you, do you understand what I mean by that? Um, mostly, yeah, I think. Uh, so many people believe that the economy essentially is something that is produced by the government, and it is anything but. Well, I think that that's been made like by we just talked about the Great Depression. Like that wasn't our that wasn't the government's fault at all. That was like a worldwide thing that like we got sucked into. Well, same thing was true in 2008 that with was, the Great Recession. That was like the housing market crash, right? Right, right. People wanted to blame George W. Bush. It was all George W. Bush's fault. But how do you blame George W. Bush for a housing market crash that reverberated in every nation across the world? Yeah. My father said that he knew he was in, that we were in trouble when he took it. Um, uh, he was in England. And he took a taxi ride, and his cab driver said that he owned three houses. Well, that's like, have you ever seen The Big Short? Right, the yeah. Movie? And, like, they go down to, am I allowed to say, they go down to an adults-only club. Okay. <laughs> and, one yes. of the, and one of the dancers there, dancers, is, t- tells, like, uh, Steve Carell's character. Adult dancer? Yeah. So yeah. tells Steve Carell's character that she owns, like, three houses, too. And right. the same kind of idea. They were right. just, like. People were buying houses as speculation. Yeah. I, Dad always used to go back to tulip time. Back in the day, I think it was in Amsterdam, there was a whole bunch of speculation about tulips, and the price of tulips kept rising. I mean, this is hundreds of years ago. 
and the bubble pops and people realize that tulips are not worth this kind of value. I think they're pretty. They are pretty, but uh, if you're ba- they're not pretty enough to base an entire economy on them. Yeah. And only peonies have that power. And the housing market and and the kind of speculation and the kind of bad loans that were fueling the housing market uh, that was something that was happening all across the world. And there was, you know, the government contributed to the problem. But to say that it was entirely the government's fault, it would also presuppose the idea that the government has the power to fix it, which really it didn't. Yeah. Uh, the government did, you know, uh, one of the things that got, dad thrown out of office more than anything else was the troubled asset rp what does tarp stand for troubled asset something program relocation program did they relocate troubled assets that isn't right i don't understand how it works (laughs) all right but when dad lost in the republican convention in 2010 the delegates on the floor started chanting tarp 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 Weirdly ominous. Weirdly ornament. But but they, they were essentially saying, Bob Bennett, you created the TARP program and you're going to be held accountable for it and that's why you're no longer in office. Ugh. But the TARP program turned out to have com- prevented a complete and total shutdown of world financial markets. Because what had started to happen was that banks were no longer lending to each other. And it was like the financial engine was an engine being driven without any oil in the gears. And it was just seizing up and completely collapsing. And if it weren't uh, for... I got to change the oil in my car. Yeah. <laughs> Crap. That <laughs> just reminded me. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, yes. it's good. Yes, this is good. And the trouble asset relocation. What, what's the R stand for? I've got to look it up in our next break. Okay. But... Uh, it allowed banks to continue to lend to each other, and banks ended up paying back the money with interest. TARP was an actually was actually a huge success. The federal government actually made money on it. Oh, good. But but uh, by the time that happened, TARP my, TARP. Except I'm chanting it with happiness. With happiness in yes. my tone now. TARP TARP TARP. But by the time that happened, and people realized what a success it had been, my father was no longer a senator. So it's how it goes. It is how it goes. And I was very proud of the fact that he said over and over again, he said, look, this may cost me my seat, but it's the right thing to do. And it was the right thing to do. And it did cost him his seat. He was a real one. He was a real one. But, uh, but the fact is no president has the power to magically wave a wand or press a button and suddenly transform the economy. It yeah. does not work that way. And we sure try, though. We we do try. And, you know, that's what Trump tried to do with this latest tax cut. Everything that the government does, they do with a blunt instrument instead of with a scalpel. What uh, what was, like, the Teddy Roosevelt saying? Like I speak softly, but I carry a big stick. Yeah. That one? Is that similar? Uh, I don't know that it applies to this. Sticks I think he, can be blunt instruments. Yeah, but he was talking about foreign relations. He oh. was talking about beating up people. I was just thinking about blunt instruments in general. Uh, <laughs> well, this is good. Well, you're going to be a doctor. You should be thinking about scalpels. Yes? Those aren't no? blunt at all. That's what I'm saying. That would be a disaster. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The government does not have... Surgeons should not speak softly and carry a big stick. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> Uh, so when we get back, I'm going to talk about what government can and can't do. And we're going to look up what TARP stands for. That's exactly right. 
I know what TARP stands for. Illuminate us. Troubled Asset Relief Program. Mm, that Exciting. makes more sense. Yes. That's good. It's catchy. It's catchy. So the government has the ability to raise and to lower taxes. Yeah. And lowering taxes increases economic activity. Raising taxes lowers economic activity. And I actually had a big argument with a guy who insisted, well, that's not true. That doesn't sound like you. (laughs) Well, there have been times when we've had high taxation, when we've also had high economic activity. Yeah. But the reality is, okay, if you if you have two widgets and you're in the a widget, widget? Oh, that that's a business school term. A widget is just a generic product. Okay, I didn't go to business school. You never heard of a widget? No. All right, you got two widgets. One of them is a dollar. Another one is a dollar with ten percent tax. Which one are you going to pay for? The, uh, the dollar one. You're going to buy the one without the tax, right? Yeah. Which means that taxes discouraged your economic this activity. This reminds me of when Michael Scott on The Office goes to Ryan's business school and gives a presentation. And hands out and candy bars. Yeah, and he's like, you'll earn enough to make a 100 grand. Yes. <laughs> he throws it into the audience. Throws a 100 grand bar. You could sell a whoosie what's it or a thingamajig or, yeah, it's pretty A whatchamacallit. A whatchamacallit. That's, that's the name. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of that candy. That's, they're good. What's are good. I, but I felt like Michael Scott in that scenario because I don't know anything about business. That's right. So lowering taxes increases economic activity, but you reach a point where uh, you know you can raise taxes so high that you prohibit economic activity. But even when we had tax rates so that we're in the ninety percent range, which we did prior to uh, JFK, mm-hmm. JFK lowered it down. Reagan lowered it down from seventy percent as the top rate to twenty eight percent as the top Whoa. rate. Yeah, huge That's tax cut. Huge. And it resulted in a huge economic boom. But uh, the fact of the matter is, even when taxes were at 90%, nobody was paying a 90% rate. What? Because they were finding different ways to manage their money so they could avoid the high income taxes. They would take money as capital gains or they would hide money overseas. The fact is when you tax people... Oh, that's when the Cayman Islands were invented. I think it made... Some rich people made volcanoes in the ocean to make the Cayman Islands. Rich people made... Yeah, so volcanoes they could ha- in the ocean? Yeah, so the volcano- How did they do that? They did not do that. Money can buy anything. All right. Now you're sounding like a Scientologist because the volcanoes blew up all of the people for million. I believe that. So yeah. let's continue. Let's continue. So, so when the government acts, uh, the public reacts in ways that finds ways around the different kinds of financial regulatory The scheme. government is like... Um, Tom and the people are like Jerry. I don't. I don't get how that works at all. Like the government is trying is to catch us, but we find ways and, around it. Well, Jerry doesn't. I just, thought it was okay. All right, Sheesh. All right. Well, except for Jerry, just doesn't. The Jerry goes after Tom. Sometimes I. I don't know. Never mind. I haven't mind. seen Tom and Jerry for a long time. I'm the old. government is like the coyote, and we're like the roadrunner. There we go. There's a lot of that. Okay, I got there. Eventually. That's a good one. That's a good cartoon analogy. I appreciate you using it. Uh, so, so whatever the government does, the public will respond and find ways around it. But the government's biggest um, skill is getting in the way of economic activity. The government does not spur economic activity so much as get in the way of economic activity. And very often, what the government does 
to spur economic activity can also have negative effects on the government's collecting of revenue. Okay. Meaning Trump cut taxes, and so economic activity will go up and government revenue will go down. Right. And so the deficit goes up even as, as economic activity rises. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about that is that after Reagan's tax cuts, government revenue ended up going up. We get it. He was perfect. He, oh, no, my god! It wasn't that he was perfect, but the fact is when you had more economic activity taxed at a lower rate, government made more money. It's the reason why stores cut prices. They don't cut prices because they lose money when they cut prices. They cut prices because more people buy more stuff, and so they make more money on the volume. Okay, that makes sense. So so that's the principle there. So people do not understand economics, and they vote and respond to economic demagoguery that bears no resemblance to how markets really work. And the most democracy was a mistake. That's right. And the most depressing. I don't believe democracy. I don't believe it either. That was facetious. Although I was quoting, you were quoting uh, Homer Simpson at one point. Yeah. Because he's trying to get a poo not to be deported, and he rallies support for the proposition that's going to keep him here, and he loses. And he says, "When will people learn democracy doesn't work?" Yeah. By the way, we have a listener that wanted me to make a Boo Earns reference last time. And what is that? You cut me off. I'm I was sorry, talking about Hans Molman, and he was going to say, I was saying Boo Earns. Nobody but, but Trent Bray will get that uh, reference. But Trent, shout out to you. All right. All right. So <laughs> uh, I, I think we're, gonna, we're going to have to leave it at that. We're going to see what's going to happen this coming year. Hopefully Mitt Romney will step up. Hopefully the- Khloe Kardashian learns her worth. I hope she learns her worth, and hopefully that the public can be the roadrunner to escape from Trump's recession. And hopefully we, we can... use Acme products to blow up anything bad he tried. Oh, this metaphor is falling it, It's falling apart. So if you're listening to this podcast on the radio, please subscribe at iTunes or go to the KSL Podcast Center. And until next week, this is Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And we'll see you next time on Dinner Table Politics. Bye.